0: Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company.
1: All right, here we go. You heard it. Silver 7's on a Thursday. John Von Toll was here. He's the company. Jed's helping out. Ari's back in our Finley to uh, the studios. Jed does the setup. He's not just helping out. Silver 7's happy hour Is has body begun. Um, yeah, maybe someday. Never know, right? Never know. He's a stern-looking fellow, so I wouldn't... Oh, yeah. And I think he stays calm most of the time because he's always calm around us. But those are the kind of guys you're like, don't cross the line. So we don't.
2: No, of course not. Although, do I go? (laughs) Of course not. I don't know. Maybe It it might be a cliche, but I I feel like you're a teddy bear on the inside.
1: We'll find out. We'll (laughs) we'll find out. We'll grow with Jed. We'll grow with Jed as he's in a, a new position of authority at Lotus Broadcasting. Let's get to it, Ari.
0: It's The Three on Cofield and Company.
1: So I would say when we come in on Thursdays and there's a COVID story, it's deja vu because we did a lot of those. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Every week during uh, the last couple of football seasons, cancellations, who's test positive, are they going to be out this week? Um, Not as big a deal because it's the preseason, and I hope it's not the case. Uh, Kirk Cousins I don't think was going to play in what is game one for the Vikings against the Raiders on Sunday in the preseason. But reports that he wasn't feeling well, sent home, was not on the field during walkthrough. O'Connell said the Vikings are still, quote, working through whether Cousins has COVID-19. If he has positive NFL policy, uh, same as CDC, five days in isolation. So we'll see what happens with Kirk Cousins. If you're going to get it, this is the best time to get it, I suppose, because it shouldn't interfere with the season. Um, He's not
2: vaccinated, so.
1: I mean, that's a good point. You get it worse than most people. Right. And I still do believe, going back to last year, not to rip open wounds and really just dump the whole shaker of salt in it, but with your Colts, I actually, I believe it tore them apart at the end from a physical standpoint. They look like a tired, beaten team. If you remember, about four weeks out from the end of the season, they had some of their key players, Wentz and uh, Shaq Leonard. Let me get it right. Shaquille. Shaquille yep. Leonard. uh They had bouts with COVID, and the team didn't look the same after that. Could have been that. Could have been one of the worst single performances by a quarterback (laughs) in week 18. But to my point, Wentz had a pretty good season from a number standpoint. He was inconsistent and didn't play well, so uh, I'm not sure if that was the reason. But Kirk Cousins dealing with that, we think. So maybe we'll get an update later in the day if he's going to be here at all in Las Vegas. You know, something we never got to with the whole uh, Darius, Shaquille, Leonard name change. Um, he changed the shack. He uses a middle name now mm-hmm. because he said the only people who called him Darius were generally yelling at him or he was getting disciplined. And we actually played this out with a couple of our contributors. Like we found out that Caleb, God, now I'm blanking on it. We, we haggled over his middle name, and we're like, should you switch to that name? And we all decided, no, that wasn't going to work. You stay with Caleb. Okay. So Caleb is his first name, though. Was it Vaughn? Devon. Devon. Caleb Devon. So, so, you, so is Devon Herring better than Caleb Herring? Would, that, would I mean, he have been a better athlete? Sounds would pretty he be suave. A, would he be a better radio personality with Devon instead of Caleb? It's a pretty suave name. There is a uh, college receiver at Caleb Herring 19 – Instead of at Caleb Herring underscore, there is a 19-year-old receiver who has stolen the name. Maybe more famous than our local Caleb Herring. I just never understood the concept of going with the middle name as opposed to the first name. Our guest uh, early in the week, uh, Chuck. Uh-huh. Chuck Powell. He works at KJR Mornings in Seattle. Yeah. Um, his first name is actually Stephen, which I was kind of insulted when I found out that he went with Chuck instead of Stephen.
2: But is his middle name Chuck or is it Charles? I think it's Charles. Okay. So it's a nickname of a middle name. That's that's crazy. I mean, you have the option to do what you want. So my middle name is George. You're going to call me George from now on. That's the name. That's my grandfather's I mean, name.
1: It wouldn't be much of a change. GVT. Yeah. It doesn't sound as good as JVT. Or as most people think when I say it, JBT. Yeah. Or. So none of it really works.
2: As I've been hit with before. Your middle name's not Vaughn. <laughs> To which again I always respond, what kind of a psychopath introduces themselves with their first, middle, and last names? Lots. That's crazy.
1: I mean it's it it's a I'm gonna say it's a. it's a joke, but it's not because generally it's very serious. It seemed like a lot of killers, murderers, right. assassins went with the three piece name. Assassin's kinda good though. You could be a good assassin. Apparently, yes. No. Yes, It worked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately <laughs> for the people who were on the opposite end. Um just so you know, I don't have a middle name. Now that is Isabel. Is that right?
2: It was actually it was a, a point of contention in naming our children whether or not we were going to give them middle names or not. You did, right? Uh, we did. But after uh, their respective grandfathers, uh, grandfathers. So, like uh, Diego James von Tobel, after my stepfather, and uh, Dimitri Arnold von Tobel. Wow. Okay,
1: I would. I might go with JVT two. Like I Jimmy might go with name. James or Jimmy Von Tobel.
2: Oh, okay. Like, a little, yeah. So I actually. I might
1: use the middle name in Diego's case. I'm not saying I don't like the name Diego. Dimitri's too strong, and Arnold is. That is. A, who was well, it? Who's it
2: after? Her dad. Well, her, technically her dad's name is Arnulfo, but we went with Arnold because. How do you spell Arnulfo? What? A, exactly how it sounds. A R N U L F O. L F O. Yeah, it's like, you know, Spanish for Arnold.
1: So we went with Arnold. Arnold's a strong. It's Dimitri's like a, a strong, unique name too. But it's strong, right? It's but Arnold, firm. Arnie. Yeah. Arnie Von Tobel. Well, so we he does have a
2: nickname emerging. Actually, Dimitri does. Yeah. Oh, uh, we've just we we've just been calling him Dimitch. Dimitch. <laughs> <laughs> we just we can't get the last syllable out. That's not bad. It's not right. It's not. I don't think it's terrible. In, in college, uh, I had a friend. They just called him Meech. So, Dimitch isn't terrible. Demeach.
1: Yeah. It sounds like he's like Demeach, right? Yeah, Demeach. The There's a lot of options. You yeah. did a really good job. Their first names are super creative. I like the whole D theme. Yeah. Middle gives them an opportunity to change it up if they want. They want yeah. to separate from the family a little bit. We can go D, DJ and DA. Depending on what kind of athlete they are. The like, meet. obviously, Arnie Von Tobel is a golfer. Yeah. Oh, he's got to be. But I don't know if the kid's going to golf. He's very squatty. If he plays
2: basketball, I feel like, or no, if he plays soccer, he's got to be Dimitri. Yeah, right.
1: Pro wrestler, Dimitri. Yeah. I I like it. Good mix. It's a very solid mix. what we do. Very solid mix. Anyone know what Robin Leonard's middle name is? I did not have a segue. Glass? Wow. Boy, this didn't work out. I think we all knew, because I was saying early in the week, listen, there's going to be some problems here with him starting the season. I tried to, and I wasn't rooting for him to be out or out for the season. As it turns out, Robin Leonard... The highest-paid goalie, I think the starting goalie, that was the plan, on the Golden Knights is out for the season. And I addressed it on Monday about, hey, we're getting close now. Like, this thing gets rolling here early September. Leonard may not be ready for the beginning of the season. So I was trying to set an over-under number mm-hmm. on games played by Robin Leonard. I, dro- I started at 41-and-a-half. I dropped it to 36-and-a-half. Willie would not take the over. So maybe he knew something. Yeah, But, yeah. Awful news we get this morning that the Golden Knights starting goaltender, Robin Leonard, out for the season. It's already done with a hip issue. Sucks, and I think it it is awful. This team is built for now. Mm -hmm. Listen, Logan Thompson has a chance to be a good goalie. Now he has to be a good full-time goalie, unless they can pull something out of the hat. I mean, they already lopped off patch already which that that thing's a disaster now patches is, is out with an Achilles for at least six months mm-hmm. with the Canes but now the the Knights goalie situation doesn't have a whole lot of flexibility and I mean as we sit here right now Logan Thompson's gonna have to be the guy for 50 plus games well and this is
2: for a lot of at least the fans that I know that like really follow this team I mean it's what they've been wanting so here you go right a lot of people think that Logan Thomas has a, a very Bright, excuse me, sorry, Thompson, uh, has a bright future and thinks they could be the guy and thinks that he should have been the guy coming into this year. Okay, well, here you go. What was going to be a situation where he was going to start like, what, like 25-ish games or something like that behind Leonard?
1: <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Maybe more given I think his because, injury history. I think because of the injuries that we knew with Leonard that, you know, he was still trying to recover from over the summer, that it was probably going to be a 50-50 split. So it was probably going to be 40 games apiece. Uh, but not, not anymore now. And again, unless there's some drastic move made, uh, Logan Thompson as the starter is going to have to go fifty plus games.
2: And say what you want about Robin Leonard, one of my biggest disagreements with everything around him has always been statistically he has been a very solid goaltender when available. Right? It's something that you and I have discussed where we can be in agreement on the fact that if your criticism of him is availability, then that is a that is an apt criticism. But when he's available, he is a solid goaltender for them. So now. You have to have your young guys' growth accelerated, and whoever's behind him is now going to be a very big step down for what you could have gotten.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPNLasVegas.
3: Proverall guides it to connecting at center, drops it off, Lawton to the left, Giroux, center's kick save! Robin Leonard stops Claude Giroux on a couple of quick passes
0: from Philly. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. It's Cofield and Company.
1: Robin Leonard with a save. Dan Duva. My favorite play-by-play guy in the market along with Russ Langer and John Sandler. On the call there. What a bummer. I feel really bad for Vegas Golden Knights fans. But this is also a highly charged topic, so I'm sure there are some fans out there who have gotten really too involved in this whole Flurry leonard thing over the years who may be happy that Leonard's down. That's an awful sentiment. Robin Leonard down for the season, hip injury. We found out this morning, sports fans, media people, a bunch of us were out covering the Raiders this morning. Willie Ramirez was on the scene. Willie's a regular beat writer for the AP, covering the Golden Knights, so he knows the story as well as anyone in terms of the history of Leonard and now what's happened with Robin Leonard and his hip. Willie, how you doing, buddy?
3: What's happening? Imagine that you get to hear your favorite play-by-play on the rejoin, uh, play-by-play guy on the rejoin, and then you get to hit talk to your favorite uh, Golden Knights beat writer.
1: Wow! Shots fired. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you were going to go right at JVT and say our favorite company co-host. Yeah, yeah. No, you, no, would I would not that? go
3: after my guy JVT because he ranked me number one on the Coalfield and Company fashion list.
1: Oh, he did? Okay. Oh, yeah. We, we did that yeah. while you were gone. Well, just for you, Willie, okay. I actually prefer, of all the uh, beat writers, Danny Webster. Sorry. Uh, I'm, te- I'm texting with Danny as we speak. Okay, well. <laughs> sorry, you were our number two choice today. Uh, but we, we okay, appreciate yeah. you coming on. All right. I mean, th- this is devastating. Uh, you know, Thompson could be ready to go. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But wh- what do we know about Leonard and what he was doing during the summer and what this injury is? I mean, this, <clears> this has been such a secretive thing with Robin Leonard for, like, five months with these injuries.
3: It has, and it goes back to before the Washington Capitals game in which DeBoer, we believe, many of us believe, was forced to start Robin Leonard, was given an order from high up that he had to start him and then pulled him in favor of Thompson, and then the Golden Knights won that game, and they ended up staying in playoff position. But prior to that, DeBoer had said, during a trip to Canada, that he felt he, he he saw Leonard and he looked uncomfortable in that. He didn't look the same. He wasn't playing. You know, he just didn't look like he was fluid. And he could tell something was off. So he had been battling. And, of course, many people remember that Leonard was very truculent with us in post-game interviews when basically just inquiring, and he got very snarky about reports from Frank Cervelli in that, he was gonna to have to have season ending surgery, or he was gonna to have to have surgery on his shoulder, or there you know, there were just different things that he was saying that it came up about his knee. As it turned out, long, fast forward, he did have he, he had he had agreed to have season ending shoulder surgery, and then he did have a lower body injury, which was undisclosed at the time that he was gonna to have to have a second procedure or have some other thing, and it turns out it's his hip. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not. Sure, I mean, I would imagine. I know why Leonard was not disclosing things. He wanted to play. He felt he could play through it, but it got to the point where it was affecting his play, his efficiency, and it was effective. Eff, um, essentially, affecting the Golden Knights. So, and DeBoer was the first one to notice it and want to do something about it. But it. But back then, we were all under the assumption that he was being told by higher-ups, no, you keep playing Leonard.
2: So, Willie, now everything in terms of the spotlight is on Logan Thompson. Some (coughs) Vegas Golden Knights fans uh, would seem somewhat happy by that. The ones that I've talked to have thought for a while that Thompson should be the guy moving into next year. But I'll ask you, I mean, it's only 17 starts last year, 20 games overall in his career, and numbers that are like, okay, uh, especially last year, nine fourteen save percentage, two sixty eight goal against average. If you stack that up in terms of qualified goaltenders, he's right around like you know, bottom the twenties ish, whatever. So what's the growth here for a guy like Thompson if we're going to see him for like sixty plus games next year? Well,
3: here's the thing: he he was the AHL goalie of the year, okay, in 2019. And those numbers that you cited are fine, but the bottom line is, no matter what the G, the goals against and the save percentage is. It's the win loss that's going to matter. Is he going to win games? So he was 10, 5, and 3. The three, obviously, the overtime losses. So um, I personally think with more time in the net, with more time, you know, rep, more reps in actual games, that he is fully capable of playing. Now, you talk about a guy that, you know, a guy that would get thrust into this who only has X amount of appearances to his career with a ca- uh, the type of caliber of play that the golden knights bring as a Western conference contender, I get it. It's like, well, they should have a big name goaltender. But at some point, if you if you had this guy for so long, he's gotta get he's gotta face the pressure. He's gotta play and he's got to, you know, he's gotta establish himself. And I felt that at the end of last season, considering the situation that the Golden Knights were in, considering the injuries that this team endured, and you know, considering the the opponents that he faced down the stretch, I felt that he stepped up to the pressure just fine, and I think that now, after with the off-season program and training full time with the with with the with the Golden Knights, um, I don't think that he belongs back with the Henderson Silver Knights. I think that he is an NHL goaltender and he should get a shot. Now that doesn't mean that they shouldn't go out and look for somebody if there's someone on the market. Names that have come up, uh, I know, as, as you mentioned, Danny Webster at the t- start of this interview, he and I were just texting. And he brought up names like Jake Allen from Montreal, if they would trade him, or Antti Ranta from Carolina. So these are names that are out there. You figure there's five million dollars now in the coffers, right? Because he's going to be able, if he's out for the season, there's five million dollars. It's you know sitting in long-term IR. So I do, I'm not against bringing in a, an established goaltender, but I'm also not against you know giving Logan Thompson his shot because. When you were up against it last year, meaning the Golden Knights, they had to put him in there, and I feel like he did a great job considering the situation he was in and the fact that he didn't have many starts to begin with.
1: I heard some chatter from uh, different media people this morning. Could this be the end for Robin Leonard as a Golden Knight period? He's got two more years after this on this field.
3: Well, my question is, could this be the end of Robin Leonard period? And I and I'm not knocking Robin Leonard. I think he you know, I think he's a fantastic goaltender. I mean, heck, in this in his career, you know, just in the past few years, he's won the Jennings trophy twice with the Islanders and with the Golden Knights. Obviously with a, you know, a co goalie in tow, but um these are two tough injuries to overcome in terms of what you have to do. Think about this. We're talking about a shoulder where, you know, and he and he had shoulder surgery the previous off season. So you're talking about a, sh- a shoulder in which you need your arms, obviously, as a goaltender. You need to make quick movements. And a hip, you're sitting back on your cell using your core, and you're dropping into stances where your hip and your core are essential. So I don't know that we don't know exactly what, what the extent of this is and how long is it. But if it's going to keep them out an entire year, that's going to take a lot of rehab, and it's going to take, you know, I mean, to get back to game speed. So – I'm not knocking Robin Leonard in any way, shape, or form. He he's he's proven to be a fantastic goaltender, obviously. But where what are these two surgeries and now three in a year's time? Last summer the shoulder, this summer the shoulder, and now a hip. What is that going to do to the body at his age?
2: What do you say to those who are, for lack of a better term, tap dancing on the grave here and saying, Oh, nope, should have kept flurry?
3: I say that Marc-Andre Fleury, I'll say what I've always said, okay? Marc-Andre Fleury was here for four years. And they got to the Stanley Cup and lost, and they've been to the playoffs and lost. And he was the starting goaltender for three of those four years. So as much as you love Marc-Andre Fleury and as much as you love the Vegas Golden Knights, your ultimate goal is to watch them hoist the Stanley Cup. And he had a chance to do it as the starting goaltender and failed. So tap dance on that.
1: Love it. Willie Ramirez, AP, part of Cofield and company, and a co-host of Throw the Flag at the TI, 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings, along with Gooch, another show on the way from over at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Real quick, Willie, let's close on what was going on today at uh, Raiders camp. Derek Carr was asked a question by Adam Hill about, hey, not having Darren Waller around, you know, you're going to need to get a little chemistry back when he returns. Is this 12 Days that he's missed since late July. Uh, You talked to him the other night at the Aces game. He said, I'm straight in terms of where he is right now with football. I think it's pretty clear he's not playing against the Vikings. What's going on? Where is he? I have my theories. I can tell you, you know,
3: I I can give you the the ho-hum answer. I can give you my theory. You tell me which one you want because I think that – I think Darren Waller's around and I think that he's fine. I personally think, which we've talked about this. I personally think that he has been told he will be taken care of, right? I think that they are waiting to, for the first set of cuts from around the league that they want to fill up now with Brandon Parker. They don't know what's going on with him. We're waiting to see what we're going to do with the offensive line. Right? This is what they're telling we need to solidify. Let us make sure that we're cool. We got 21 dollars in the bank. Let's make sure, and we're going to take care of you at some point. It would not shock me. Darren said, no problem. but well, I'm not going to hold out, but I will hold in. I just don't want to get hurt. So I'll do some work. I'll do some work inside, away from it. But I don't want to get hit. I don't want to be out there. I'm not taking any chances. Once you lock me up, because the other night, he you know, I, he walked by me where we sit. Steve, you sat there before. Walked by. And, and as he walked by, I said, hey, Steve. He looked at me and said, you good? He said, I'm good. So he sat there. So after the game, I was walking by, and I noticed – that a blogger uh, who 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 is a, a nice lady who does you know does a lot of women's basketball stuff she was doing a video with him so I said okay I'm going home I'm gonna go talk to him and you know she had asked a question about the Raiders mostly it was women's basketball she did ask one raiders question so afterwards I went in for the the professional reporter to athlete handshake and he gave me the the bro dapping hug. He pulled me in Yep. And I so I got in his ear, I said, hey, is everything cool? I mean, are you good? Because, you know, there's some people worried about you. He goes, no, I am straight. And he looked yep. at me and he said, I'm good, I'm straight. So, you know, he walked back and forth to the, to the, uh, to the courtside club. He, he was standing up doing his machine gun shots every time Chelsea Gray or Kelsey Plum hit it. I mean, he was fired up. I, I, I don't see what the injury is. If it is, it's so minor that he's saying, hey, let's not aggravate anything. You're going to take care of me. I'm going to be fine. That's my theory.
1: That's good inside information. Uh, the most important thing we need to know, though, Waller, when he went to the uh, VIP lounge, mini hot dogs or the prime rib?
3: Gosh, I wish I knew because I'm not allowed in there. All I was allowed to get was the, um, the dried-out chicken breast sandwich in the media dining room.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, my, uh, so we- my, my VIP room source will report because he was the one who gave us the, uh, the scoop on uh, Mark Davis. So we'll, we'll try yeah, to build on that. These are important things. Well, if
3: not, send JVT because he has all the VIP hookups.
1: Good point. Way to, way to close out strong with a little butt kissing, Willie, you're the best. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, <laughs> late. There he is, Willie Ramirez. On the way back, uh, I mentioned Derek Carr talking about Darren Waller, not having him there right now in chemistry, and if they're going to have to make up for some lost time. Uh, we'll uh, hear from Carr. His media availability this morning was pretty interesting.
0: Enter to win a $100 gas card every 15 minutes from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Every Wednesday here at Silver Sevens and the William Hill Race and Sportsbook.
3: This is J.T. for Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, brewed as a model of what good beer should be. Modelo Especial is a rich, full-flavored, pilsner-style lager delivering a crisp, refreshing taste, brewed with fighting spirit since 1925.
4: Through the years, Terribles has created deliberately different programs for our loyal customers, such as Gas for Life, Game Day Giveaway, and many more. And now, Terribles is excited to introduce the all-new Shop, Spin, and Win game, exclusively on the Terribles Social House app. Just scan your app reward code while making a qualifying purchase at any participating Terribles location and Shop, Spin, and Win directly from your phone. Looks like I'm going to see you at Terribles, right? Terribles, deliberately different since 1959.
3: This fall, get in the game and earn cash for betting sports with the William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports app on your phone or tablet. During William Hill's fall rewards, earn up to $500 cash back. Between now and December 31st, you'll be eligible for cash back points for every wager made, win or lose on the William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports app. You'll also earn bonus cash back for
0: teasers and parlay card wagers made on the app. To enroll in fall rewards and to see participating locations, visit williamhill.us. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Call or text 1-800-522-4700.
3: The WNBA season is here and you can check out our Aces watch parties at Parkway Tavern all season long. You'll be able to register to win tickets in the ESPN Fan Zone for upcoming home games. See what new coach Becky Hammond brings to the team. See your favorites on the court. Just make sure you watch the Las Vegas Aces this season. Be all in and registered to win tickets in ESPN's Fan Zone, sponsored by WestStar Credit Union and Finley Volkswagen Henderson. This is JT for Grimaldi's Pizzeria, cold fired brick oven pizza, a must have. For anyone craving great pizza, locations at Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and Green Valley. Learn more at Grimaldi'sPizzeria.com.
5: One word? <laughs> fun. <laughs> Hopefully, fun. You know, football is supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be competitive and all those things, but I just want to go out there and have fun with my teammates, and hopefully we can go out there and win some games. That makes it a lot more fun, if I'm honest, but at this point I'm not getting into competitive champions. Like I, I just want to have fun, and trust me, the work will be done to hopefully you know, do whatever we can do to win football games.
0: Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company.
1: Derek Carr this morning in front of the media in Henderson. Good convos. I was all fired up. If you uh, followed me this morning on Twitter, got some decent videos, some pictures. I couldn't get real close to one of my real heroes, really in life, a fellow big-bellied fella, Rob Ryan, who is a senior defensive assistant with the Raiders, was walking around. You absolutely know Rob Ryan is around, and you don't have to see the magnificent flow of hair Mm -hmm. or the belly. He is loud. And he obviously sounds just like his twin brother. So you're like, like I know there's a Ryan brother somewhere around here, barking and yelling. Now, who's not there? You just mentioned during the break, you're like, man, I didn't realize Waller has been away from practice this long. We don't know if it's injury. We don't know what's going on. But he has been away for a while. Adam Hill posed the question to Derek Carr. Hey, is going to be a, a chance or a need down the road for you guys to get that chemistry back if he's out any longer?
5: It's been a little bit since we saw uh, Darren out there. Are you guys at a point where preseason or training camp reps don't matter that much for you, too? Or yeah. is there going to be some catching up to have to do when he's out there? If I'm honest, I think they always matter, you know, but there is definitely a comfortability um, in, in the chemistry, the timing. Throw it five yards more in front of Darren because he's so fast, you know, that kind of thing. There, there definitely is that. I never want to say that we have it. You know, I don't ever want to say that um, because I think that there's stuff that him and I can always grow in. But. I have thrown him, you know, two, three hundred balls in games, and you know, thousands beyond that in practice. And so there, there is a workload there, so that when he comes back out and and all that kind of stuff, it just it's normal, you know, uh, that kind of thing.
2: I think that makes sense when you think about it. I mean, it's so like we heard Aaron Rodgers the other day talk about how preseason doesn't really mean anything; it's more about practice and getting reps for somebody like him who's breaking in a new receiving core. It's pretty important, but when you're talking about a specific connection between those two that we've seen over and over again. I would assume that maybe there is some rust, for lack of a better term, right, when you first get
1: back together. But for the most part, it's kind of like riding a bike and you understand what each other likes and what each other's looking for. We've seen a bunch of comments the last week or so from national media. After a couple of weeks, the reaction to Josh McDaniels and the word they're getting from inside camp, it's kind of what we're hearing. The fear was, hey, is he going to be mini Belichick? Well, he's come in. He has a different coaching style. But when you listen to Carr here, this sounds – very Belichickian in terms of the precision from McDaniels.
5: But one thing that they really emphasize is just the details of everything. Like Josh doesn't miss anything like with anyone on the team, not just the offense, you know, the footwork, the fundamentals, the all those kind of things, the way it show, the drills, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Like the, the details and the depth that he goes into, uh, he's fully submersed in football, you know, and not just on the quarterback, not just on. You know, the receiver, not just on the, the offense, but the whole team, special teams. Like, he knows every detail of everything being said in that build, in, in our building. I've heard
1: people say that Belichick, if he wanted, could coach every position on his team and be as good or better than that position coach.
2: Might see it this year. Trying to well, figure out a play caller on offense.
1: Yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to find out. <laughs> yeah. Is he actually going to run the offense, or is it going to be Matt Patricia or Joe Judge or some mystery person on the staff? Oh, and
2: it's tr- like, look, when you're in a position of power, they say smart people delegate, but at the same time, you want to know everything that's going on. And we have seen quite a bit before. I mean, that's the thing with Belichick, right? Details are the differences. In a game of inches, every little detail matters, and that might make a
1: difference. Yeah, and just know, this year the offense is Josh McDaniel's offense. Yeah. Look, like, Lombardi was brought over, but I think that's still a developmental thing. He's there to help on game days. The main play caller is is going to be McDaniels. And listen, when you've had that much success and it's your first, uh, well, it's your second go around, so you really got to prove yourself, you probably do want to take control of it because you don't want to look back. You know, if you you flop in three years and you're like, man, I should have ran the offense, what was I doing? I should have done it from the get-go. He's going to
0: do it from the get-go. lawyer host of suit up news legal and cultural contributor xavier pope is live on cofield and company
1: throwing along on this thursday silver sevens is the site what's going on uh well i'm just
2: uh what's called q just retweeted a video that mark mcmillan uh posted yeah of him at practice and it's uh it's mark q And uh, there's a very portly fellow in the middle walking with them on the uh, Raiders practice grounds.
1: That would be you. Oh, come on. (laughs)
2: It's not a flattering angle.
1: It's the worst. Xavier, how you doing, buddy? You got to shoot my good side. You got to shoot my good side. Xavier, what's up? We will hook up with Xavier Pope in just one second. Oh, no. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Mark goes live. Mark McMillan goes live all the time on IG, and I was just, I was just annihilating someone in a conversation, and I look over, and I'm like, well, "Why is there a video on me right now? He's uh, who, Antonio
2: Brown, right? Was it Antonio Brown, who went live in a, a post-game locker room?
1: <laughs> Xavier Pope is with us. Xavier, how you doing?
5: Fantastic.
1: How you all doing? We're good. We were just talking about getting caught on live video, not knowing it was being shot. So I looked like a giant fat ass this morning <laughs> on a video at uh, at Raiders practice. But you, I think you did that to me a couple times last week. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden we're like we're live on IG. Man, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> we gotta pick our spots. I'm not always ready to go live.
4: Hey, you looking pretty good there last week. You had the, the blazer on. You know, how you combed your hair. I'm, I was impressed.
1: I had like my uh, my 52 jacket on. I'm really a 48, so I was swimming in that. So uh, you know, you wear baggy clothes, no one can see how fat you are. So. Let's uh let's talk about last year's last year's last week's NABJ uh, gambling roundtable right here in Vegas. What do you think? What kind of feedback did you get? Um, what's you know? Give me the feedback. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I think it was well received. I think the big part, in, in terms mm-hmm. of people who have who, who listened to it live on on radio, that were there are multiple uh, panels that were going on for us uh, in Caesar's Palace is that. Um, It was an area that we need more people to learn about in uh, in terms of diverse uh, professions. And even talking to Femi, who was on the panel, talked about moving over to a different part of journalism um, to cover an emerging part of of the sport. And so I think that it's moving so fast. I think that um, many of the different, this is kind of a free-for-all for the different opportunities that are jobs in the sports gaming space as people figure out where where do they fit and where their long-term career goals fit with that and also being okay with now it being a mainstream part of of sports
2: coverage. Xavier, when you talk about the growth of that, I'm curious your thoughts because I've always wondered this. Because this rush, as you've talked about, in terms of the growth of sports betting coverage, a vast majority of it has just been, hey, you just got to give out picks and bets but there's a way to cover it from like a higher like journalistic standpoint. You know what I mean? Like In terms of the growth of the coverage from that standpoint, do you think we see that expand a little bit more? Because I feel like that's one of the things that's been lacking in terms of sports betting coverage.
4: Yeah, I think that we, that's why we uh, we talked a little bit about this uh, on the panel last week about analytics and jobs in, ana- in the analytics space because that is impacting how lines are covered. Uh, uh, and also uh, some being an insider in the sport, uh, that was something that Steve brought up, in terms of that being a new uh, glamour position and because that impacts how people choose and pick games. So the the mechanics of, of analytics and and also getting more of inside information about the sport, I think that's more than just, hey, bet on this game.
1: Xavier Pope is with us, attorney out of Chicago, cultural contributor to Cofield and Company. It's Cofield and JVT at Silver 7's on this Thursday. So we had a weird story come down. At the beginning of the week with Oklahoma football, Cale Gundy has been an assistant there for 19 years. It's not real clear what happened, but uh, he says that he picked up a, a an iPad from a distracted player, read something aloud, was horrified with what he read. Uh, Brent Venables, who runs the program, said he said it twice. We do not tolerate that. What do you make of the story? This is always one of these weird ones with the spoken word. Um, I feel like there's details missing, but what's your take on it?
4: Yeah, it wouldn't. When it, in terms of looking at the story, he looked at a player's iPad, who seemed to be distracted in a meeting. And we've already seen uh, how treatment of players, bullying players, is just flat out not acceptable in our modern sports culture, modern culture, mental health and awareness, and all that in, in the game. To add on top of that, uh, using a racial slur, uh, reading that on a a pad, and maybe doing so in such a way that it is embarrassing not only to the player but embarrassing to all the other. Players of that background associated with the program, it goes beyond. Uh, hey, I'm just trying to make sure this player is trying to get in line. I'm using a more so a racial aspect of it, and it's a bad look for him, bad look for the team. Uh, it just made him a bad leader, and it looks like they addressed it pretty quickly and moved on from it. But I think the program uh, was pretty sad about losing a guy been around for almost 20 years, um, but they had to do it. I mean, it was, it was it was something that seemed to be extremely egregious, and I'm pretty sure. Um, He wish, wishes he took that back instead of standing up and saying, hey, I used to tell you what to do in that situation.
2: Well, let's be honest. I mean, he, he made it sound like you Ron Burgundy did, right? Like he was reading and he just happened to say it. If you said it twice, he wasn't exactly horrified the first time he said it.
4: Yeah, it looks as like if, he, if, if he said it twice, it appears that he may have read it right. in his head and then decided to say it out loud mm-hmm. um, for emphasis. And so – not only did you say it, you said it where emphasis brings a racially charged element of it and it
1: really makes him look like a bad coach. Weird I was going to say weird story developing, but you know' it's, it's been going on now for years. Did you see the quote from A.B. <laughs> up on Twitter? And Antonio Brown is done in the NFL. I don't think he, I don't think he believed that. He didn't process that right after he walked off the field in the middle of a game. He's had such a bad track record. He really is. He's just a pain in the keister. He's unpredictable. He sent out a message basically saying he doesn't apologize for anything that, you know, has got him in trouble in the past. He says, my biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. So, a couple of things are happening here. I think he realizes, like, this is it. It's permanent banishment. Are, should we feel bad for him? Because I also think there's the other end of it. I I, I really do think he needs counseling. He's the one who pushed back yeah. months ago about mental health issues. Like I do think there's something wrong with him, but this is it's rare for the NFL to not bring a guy back, uh, even if he has troubles when he's still on the tail end of his prime and he could be a pretty good player at thirty three. He has really messed this up.
4: Hey, walking off the field in the middle of the game and making ace that's the cool that was the end of Antonio Brown in the National Football League. You can't show up the league like that. It's one thing to do it off the field in terms of not maybe a contract, hold out where fans aren't openly seeing a guy choosing not to play and using that as leverage with that team or demanding a trade. That's pretty common. We saw that with Ropon Smith earlier this week with the Chicago Bears. But flat-out walking out on. the and then your team makes you unpredictable as a player. And it was the final straw for any team that, looked, that might want him on their roster. They don't even know how long he would even be there, if at all.
1: You tweeted something out earlier today that got me thinking a little bit and trying to jog the, uh, the memory. There's been a bunch of Macho Man kind of coverage, chatter on social media. There was a video out you know, when he was on with, uh, at the time, Arsenio Hall. Um, and you tweeted something out about one of the storylines you did with Macho Man and Elizabeth, and I hadn't really thought of it. Like, it really was kind of typical, disturbing, weird storyline from Vince McMahon.
4: Yeah, a lot of the storylines that Vince McMahon used in the 80s were really a lot of sexist, racist, xenophobic stereotypes right, flat out. And, and one of those things that in the 80s, it was acceptable in society for how men treat women. And Macho Man, he's getting a lot of coverage for something he said on the Arsenio Hall show, talking about men that can express their emotions and feelings. But it's then run in the complete opposite narrative that was painted in the 80s of him being verbally and physically abusive to Miss Elizabeth, who was then his love interest, and then how that was covered and getting back together, and despite of how he treated her, even a character, George Animal Steele, a guy who may seem too dumb to treat a woman like she's supposed to be treated was coming to rescue her and save her. It was a, it impacted me greatly as a kid seeing that. And I knew that something was wrong with it. And so people talking about this now, I'm saying, oh, do you remember he had the complete opposite image of a player? I mean, as a, as a wrestler in the 80s, it was a disgusting thing. And uh, it was a terrible storyline that Vince McMahon created. And I remember I'm surprised people didn't bring it up talking about Macho Man that's been trending today.
2: So we get the news, uh, the NBA and the NBA PA announced uh, that the league will permanently retire number six in honor of um, Bill Russell. What do you make of this? Because I know that you were impacted and you re- you tweeted this out, the Chris Mannix article about, hey, this needs to happen. Yeah. Well, it turns out it is.
4: Chris Mannix nailed it I, for every single reason. Um, I, I strongly recommend everyone read that article about why the NBA should have retired number six, uh, talking about uh, – Bill Russell and how he's handled uh, the issues involving him playing in a city that wasn't so friendly to African-American players, his involvement in the civil rights movement, him being outspoken during that time, and some of the actions that he took. Players took a generation to come back in how they engaged with playing the sport, including I'm going to boycott a game. These are things that are seen forward-thinking now, but this is something that Bill Russell was doing back in the civil rights era. He was a courageous player. He was one of the greatest players of all time. The first player, black black coach, first player coach, and winning a championship while doing so. Um, His resume speaks for itself in terms of being a giant of the sport. He is the heart and soul logo of the NBA when it comes down to it. That's why his number should be retired. It's a good move by the National Basketball Association.
2: Uh, so part of the uh, part of the ruling is that players who currently wear number six will be grandfathered in. In other words, they don't want to mess with LeBron. They got to force them to change it, right?
4: <laughs> but no, no. That that's, that remember remember that happened with Mariano uh, with, uh, Rivera. He was wearing number forty two at the time when Jackie Robinson's number retired for all the teams. So that's something something similar that Major Baseball did as well.
1: Let's close out with a couple of uh, food notes with Xavier Pope. One, I didn't <laughs> even know this was going on. Uh, Domino's apparently made a run at, uh, pizza joints in, uh, Italy. It didn't work out, huh?
4: It didn't work out at all. It's a hilarious video. Uh, you would check out my comment, Xavier Pope, and see the video. The Italians were going in on Domino's. What do you think, what do you think would bring the noise in the pizza, um, that people are mild here in America and bring it to a place where pizza is, is king? Uh. Uh, it was hilarious. People were talking about Americans don't know anything. It's like putting a Panda Express in in China or putting a Taco Bell in Mexico. Although Taco Bells are doing pretty good in Mexico, um, it was a hilarious. And I, I, which pizza you think? You think a Domino's pizza or you taking an uh, authentic Italian uh, pizza,
1: gentlemen? Yeah, I uh, I don't I don't know how authentic it is. I mean, it, it actually was like a mom and pop pizza shop back in the '60s that expanded to you know however many places there are, but um, it's also, I, I've always, I mean, I think people who, you know, kind of follow pizza, Italian pizza is much different yeah. than, uh, you know, Italian-American pizza, so. Absolutely,
4: it seems to have to give the political answer, because I mean, Domino's might be a sponsor of, uh, <laughs> of Las Vegas, so I, I enjoy Domino's pizza, but it's not the same as authentic
2: uh, pizza is. I'll <laughs> take this a step further, uh, Italians don't
1: have breaded chicken with pineapple, jalapeno, and bacon bits, so I'll go with Domino's <laughs> there you go. Um, were you able to find some? You were uh, asking us about good vegan fare in Las Vegas when you were here for NABJ. Did you find some places?
4: You know, Steve, I want to give you so much props putting that question on your timeline. So, a lot of great suggestions were put there by some of the, 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 the listeners. And, and Peter gave an excellent suggestion at a place called um, Crossroads that that's in. Um, World Resorts Casino, surprisingly amazing casino. i had not been in there before. Yeah. Just amazing. Some of the best vegan food I've ever tasted. I'm so happy for the recommendation. So props to you for getting some good recommendations over.
1: Yeah, Crossroads is good. Resorts World is good. Silver 7s is good. Everything is good. Every, <laughs> food, every, every restaurant, hotel, is, you got me there. Uh, have a good weekend. We're glad you had a good time in Las Vegas, and uh, we'll talk during the week, okay? Love you guys. There he is. Love you, Xavier Pope, attorney, host of Suit Up News. Now, what's frustrating, aside from uh, Fat Man videos that you saw? Well,
5: actually,
2: it was it's, it was along those lines. I think I wanted to ask him if he um, and I don't know what one of the suggestions was, but uh, Taco terrian. I actually it's a you know vegan taco spot, but I actually really love it. It's fantastic. It's very good. I wanted to see if uh if he got his hands on that.
1: I actually did not realize. I know uh, my significant other likes vegan food. And she's brought me to about four different places. Solid. But when I ran by all the suggestions from the audience, she knew every one of them. Really? She had a couple she didn't like. She's vegan? Not really. I was going to say she can't be because she didn't tell me about it when I saw her. Uh, That's a good point. Dude, let me tell you. a trait. Oh, my God. (laughs) That, and I'm not not busting on people who have this, but the other one is the gluten-free. Oh, come on. My mother and the celiacs for, like, 15 years. I forgot. She, I mean, every place you go, like, the, the servers better know everything about the menu. And if there's flour, like, you better know the menu. But, yeah, the SO has a friend. That's all she talks about is her celiacs. And then she has another friend who is a vegan and will, like, will torture you if you like meat. You know who else is the
2: worst is, because I'm trying to get in shape, so I'm following more of these people, uh, you know, like the, the fitness people. Got to get the macros. Got to
1: get them to weigh the food. Got to know what the, salad, the counting is. Everything It's ridiculous. The, uh, the worst was one of her buddies. If you get eggs, she starts firing at you. She's like, oh, you really enjoy the chicken menstruation. And I'm like, yeah, not really anymore. Thank you. Meal ruined.